Well, this morning we're going to start a new series um, called Growing Up. And so this series, I I just want to preface it by telling you kind of what we're going to be talking about, where we're going. We're talking about growing up. And it's fitting because we talk about babies and the children of the church, and we watch children grow. How many of you have children? Raise your hand. Okay, as as I I talk about all the time, I've got plenty of children. (laughs) And one of the awesome things is to watch my children grow up, to watch the, the different steps that they take, whether it's starting to walk, whether it's starting to run, Jack, the last few days, he's just been running circles around our kitchen and our living room, just over, just running. And I mean, at our house, that's dangerous because there's stuff on the floor. But Jack's running or, or learning to talk. Jack's starting to learn to talk or learning to dance. Whenever we get some good food, we have some food dancers in our family. We don't dance much, but when there's good food in front of us, we, we dance a little bit. And so I'm, I see that from our kids. But, but watching the kids grow up is an incredible thing. And looking at a newborn baby and seeing a baby that's totally dependent, that's totally dependent on parents and circumstances around, it's amazing to see as kids grow up. And I, I talked about this a little bit last week, but even to see I've got a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and a nine-year-old, and it's pretty incredible just to step back and look at them and see the path of growth in their lives. And Eli, it just seems like he's a little grown up now. I mean, he's so independent and so, I'm I'm just so responsible, but watching kids grow up is amazing. And and that's what we're gonna be talking about, growing up ourselves in our spiritual walk. Because the truth of the matter is, at some point, when we enter into a relationship with God, when, when we are saved, when we experience God's grace and we become new, which is what we're gonna talk about today, We don't stay there. We are called to grow up. In the church, we call this discipleship, becoming a disciple of Christ, learning and growing, becoming more mature. And so I look at my kids and I look at the stages from being one-year-old and just learning to talk and walk and all that good stuff, all the way up to being nine years old. And and some of you have kids that are much older and, and I am a kid that's much older now. And, and we are called to the same thing in our walk with Christ. And so today we're gonna be talking about a very appropriate topic for what we've done today and talked about, and that's being born again. Being born again. If you've been around the church very often, you've probably heard the phrase, born again. Well, that's where we're gonna start this series, with the idea of being born again. And so, We start this series by looking at an encounter that Jesus had with a religious leader of his day. But first, let's just set the stage. So Jesus came to earth, and Jesus grew up, went through that process of growing up, and began his ministry right around the age of 30. And Jesus begins his ministry, and what we see is that he performs a miracle at a wedding, the first miracle at Cana of Galilee, where he turns water into wine, and he, he, he starts to to minister and starts to do these great things. And so then he goes to Jerusalem and we pick it up in John chapter two, verse 23. And it's a real simple one, it just says this. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. 
So Jesus has grown up, Jesus has started his ministry, and he's begun to perform signs and wonders. Great things are happening, miracles, things that can't be denied. And in John chapter 2, we, say that, we see that people are seeing what Jesus is, has, is doing, and they're getting it. They're catching on. It says that people are begin to, beginning to believe in his name. And so that leads us to our encounter. And we're going to pick it up here in, in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling class. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, and this is an interesting response. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Spirit's moving right there. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so we see this interesting um, encounter where this, this um, religious leader, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I've seen what you're doing. It's awesome. You're obviously different. You're obviously from God. And Nicodemus says, we're getting it. We see it. And Jesus has this really weird reply. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so in this encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus makes it perfectly clear that the only way to be a part of the kingdom of God, the only way to enter the kingdom of God, it says see or enter the kingdom of God, is to be born again. And, and so discipleship starts with being born again. You cannot be a disciple of Christ if you are not born again. And so we're going to start this whole series of growing up with that concept. You cannot be a disciple of Christ if you are not born again. It starts with new birth. And so it doesn't matter what you've read. It doesn't matter what you've learned. It doesn't matter how much you know. The only way to become a part of the kingdom of God is to be born again. And so we saw in the story that Nicodemus had no clue what this meant. He questioned Jesus. He says, how can you be born again? How can you go back into the mother's womb and be born again? That's not possible. And so that's an important question for us today to ask. If the only way to become a part of the kingdom of God is to be born again, then we have to be born again to be disciples of Christ. And so the big question is this. What does it mean to be born again. Well, let's look a little bit deeper into the story to see what Jesus is saying. The first thing that we see in this story is that Nicodemus is a religious leader. He's a Pharisee, he's a religious leader in the Jewish church. And, and this is important to our story. Why is it important? 
Well, the author, John, did not have to say who Nicodemus was. John didn't have to specify. He could have just said this person came to Jesus and Jesus said you must be born again and the story would have been just fine. But John says he was a religious leader, a leader of the Jewish faith. Why is this important? Well, by nature of his position, Nicodemus would have already thought that he was in the kingdom. He was a religious leader. Think about a pastor, a, a priest, somebody that's high up in the church, and Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and, and he comes to Jesus thinking, I'm in, I'm good. And we see this in the story. He comes up to Jesus, and, and, and he says, hey, Jesus, you're doing some really cool stuff there, and we're noticing, just to let you know. And Jesus comes back and says, whoa, hold on just a second. The only way to enter the kingdom of heaven is to be born again. Have you ever thought that you were in? That, that, have you ever thought that you were good enough for something? Have you ever found yourself in the spot that Nicodemus did where, where you go to something and you think, hey, I'm good, I'm in. We went to the Reds game last Saturday and um, one of my buddies had tickets that were given to him. They, they were playing the Red Sox. And so if you don't know much about Baseball, that, that won't mean much to you, but, but he got his tickets from one of the Red Sox players' family. The family of that player had extra tickets, and they weren't going to use them. They were really good tickets right down in the scout seats. Jamie was with them, right? Jamie, give us a thumbs up. Jamie was with them last Saturday, and so they went, and they sat in the scout seats that are right there behind home plate, really good seats, and, and I texted my buddy about the, well, it had to be the first inning because I left after the first inning. It was way too hot out. But I texted my buddy and I said, hey man, how many times have you told the people next to you where you got your tickets? Right, because we like to share things like that. Like if we get tickets from a player, then we like to share that. And, and I, knew my, I know my buddy pretty well. And I know that he's the kind of guy that's probably telling the people around him where he got his tickets from. And he, he said, oh man, it was funny. So I talked to him later and I said, man, how did that go? And he said, oh, we were sitting there and, and he had a Red Sox hat on because he got the tickets from a Red Sox player. Now my buddy's a Reds fan, but he had a Red Sox hat on because he felt like he had to support the Red Sox. And then he had a Reds shirt on. And so the guy next to him said, who are you rooting for, man? What's going on? And, and my buddy who's thinking, I'm in, I mean, I got my tickets from Andrew Benatendi's family. I mean, come on, like I'm big time, like I'm in. He says, well, I need to let you know that I, I got my tickets from this guy, and the guy wasn't having it. He, he wasn't too thrilled with the fact that he was rooting for two different teams. And, and so my buddy thought like, hey, I'm in, like these tickets are something, and he didn't get the reaction that he was hoping for from the people around him. It was kind of like, hey, man, take that hat off, like you're in Cincinnati. And so have you ever thought that you were in? I, I grew up a pastor's kid, and, um, and so every once in a while I get the opportunity to go back to churches that I spent time in or spent years in, and it's really interesting as a pastor's kid to go back to churches. In Nashville, we lived on the church property. I mean, our house was on the church property, and so I spent my life at that church. And I was the pastor's son. I mean, I was there every time the doors were open. I mowed the lawn. I cleaned the building. I vacuumed the sanctuary. I did everything. And it's weird for me to go back to churches that I went to because where I used to be Pastor Bob's son, now I'm just one of the old pastor's sons. And I go in thinking like, hey, I'm a part of this church. And I walk in and people have no clue who I am. Have you ever been there? 
We went to Texas a couple years ago, and the same thing happened. Like, I, I grew up in this church, and people are like, yeah, who are you? And I thought I was in, but that's where Nicodemus is. Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he thinks, I'm good, I'm in. Like, I, I'm one of the religious leaders, and so he comes up. You can almost see this buddy-buddy thing where Nicodemus comes up to Jesus, and he doesn't find the answer that he's looking for. Why would Jesus respond this way? Nicodemus comes and praises him, and Jesus turns it around and says, well, hold on. In order to be a part of the kingdom, you have to be born again. Why would Jesus respond this way? I, I can think of a couple reasons. The kingdom of God is not about religion. The kingdom of God is not about where you stand in religious circles. By all, by all accounts, by, by his religious nature, Nicodemus would have, be, would have been thought to be in. In fact, in that day, the Jewish people believed that just because they were descendants of Abraham, God's chosen people, that they were in. And Jesus looks at this in guy, this Nicodemus, who's high up, and he says, there's only one way. And that's to be born again. This is not about religion. It's not about getting a better religion. It's not about being on the right side. It's about new life. It's not about your status or where you were born. You can't big shot your way into the kingdom. It's about new life. The only way is to be born again. The second thing, your first birth, so we all were born at one time or not, I'm, I'm assuming, your first birth cannot get you into the kingdom. No matter what family you were born into, no matter what church you were born into, no matter what situation you were born into, your first birth cannot get you into the kingdom. It doesn't matter where you were born the first time. What matters is that you are born again. You could come from a great family. You could come from, your last name could be Osteen or Graham, or what, what other famous speakers are there? Your, your last name could be anything, and being born into that family does not make you a follower of Christ or a member of the kingdom. You can be Pastor Bob's son. That may not mean much outside of this church, but you can be Pastor Bob. My, my entrance into my family doesn't mean anything as far as my entrance into the kingdom. You cannot be born through your first birth into the kingdom. Your family could have given tons of money. You could have buildings and, and rooms named after you at churches. You could have Christian colleges that have built buildings and, and put them up in your family's name. That does not get you into the kingdom. You could be super educated. I've got friends that, that have their doctorate in religion. But if they are not born again, if they are not experiencing the power of Jesus in their life, they're not a part of the kingdom. Education doesn't get it for you. Social status doesn't get it for you. Jesus' response here is shattering the assumption that Nicodemus and his people have that they are automatically in the kingdom because of where they were. And Nicodemus is, is really caught off guard by this. Wouldn't you be? I mean, think about it. Like, he is a teacher in the church. He's a super religious guy. And Jesus says, no, that's not good enough. This is a sticking point for us, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is basically coming to this guy who spent his whole life being a part of the religious experience, who is high up, and he's saying, no, you've got to start again. 
Do we like starting again? How many of you like starting again? I mean, I, I can just picture Nicodemus there thinking, hey man, I've done all this. I've been here. I've done this. And Jesus saying, it doesn't matter. You gotta be born again. You mean I gotta start all over? All the things I've worked for? All the things I've built? Jesus says, no, what matters is that you're born again. I don't know about you, but I like things that I can earn. I like things that I can control. In fact, one of the things that I work best with is if you give me a checklist and say, if you do this checklist, then you'll be good. I can do that. I'm very, like, the best workouts I've ever done were where I had a thing that told me exactly what to do every day. And if you give me that, I can do that. But God doesn't work with the checklist. God works through being born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus says, how can this be? And he says, you can't go back into your mother's womb and be born again. And I don't think Nicodemus really thought that's what Jesus was saying. But I think what Nicodemus is saying there is, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can't really expect me to start over after everything I've done. And Jesus says, the only way is to be born again. And so let's just start here. The only way we can be disciples of Christ is if we are born again. And so take everything that you know, take everything that you've accomplished, take everything that you think makes you good enough and throw it out. To be a disciple of Christ, you have to experience being born again through Christ. Back in verse two, we see that Nicodemus knows that Jesus is something special. So the second part of this, number one, you have to be born again. It's not something that comes with your standing or what you've done. The second thing, it's not just about knowing. It says in verse two that Nicodemus knows that Jesus is something special. He knows that Jesus came from God. This goes back to the people were catching on. They were seeing what Jesus was doing and they were saying, there's something different about this guy and they saw it. And they even believed that something was different about him. But being born again is not simply about seeing God's power. It's about God's power working in your life. So let me give you an example of this. There is this magical thing that will help you get in shape and will help you feel better and will help you lose weight and will help you get where you wanna be. There's this magical thing. Do you know what it is? Exercise and diet. And I totally believe in exercise and diet. I totally believe that if I eat right and I exercise, I'll be good, right? But if I don't do it, if I don't experience it, if I don't eat right and I don't exercise, it won't change anything. I'll be the same person I am. And, and so this is the idea that I see Jesus working. He's doing amazing things. I know that he's something different. But unless God works in your life, you can't be a part of the kingdom. John Piper says, what you need is for the miracle-working God to do a miracle in you. It's not enough to say, I know that God's good. I know that God's powerful. I've seen it. God needs to work in your life. God needs to do a miracle in you, give you new life. This obviously didn't compute for Nicodemus. He didn't understand after all, everything he was taught and believed was being shattered by what Jesus was saying. He doesn't get it. And I can imagine where he was. 
Moving on to verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. And so we're to be born again by water and the Spirit. What does this mean? Many people have taken this to mean baptism, that by being baptized, you're born again and you're good. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. I don't think that that's what it's talking about. I believe that God, Jesus is talking about something bigger. And so I want you to look in Ezekiel chapter 36 with me. It says this in verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. So did you hear the two things that are in there in Ezekiel? I will sprinkle water on you and I will give you a new spirit. Only through water and the spirit can we become born again. Jesus is saying, only through a work of God can you become born again. What, is, what this says is that God will cleanse you with water and give you his spirit. You will be born again when God gives you a new heart and a new spirit. So what do we learn from this? You cannot earn this. You cannot do anything to earn this. You cannot make this happen on your own. Jesus is saying only God's water and spirit can give you this new life. Only God can give us new life and make us born again. And so we start with your, your first birth, who you are, can't make you a part of the kingdom, and now we see only God's work, only the miraculous work of God can make you born again. The text goes on to say, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. All we can do, all we can do in our flesh is give birth to flesh. We can't do the spiritual side of things. Only God's spirit can give us a new spirit and new life. And so Jesus says it's only God that can do this. Only God can do this in you. The last part of the section is in verse 7 and 8, and he says this, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is an interesting statement and analogy by Jesus. After saying that the only way to be born again is through the work of God, he follows it up with this statement about the wind. You guys have all felt the wind, right? Raise your hand. This is partly to wake you up. I, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> raise your hand. Okay. You, you've all felt the wind before, right? Do you know where it came from? Some of you scientists are like, I know where it came from. No, you don't. Come on. You feel the wind. You can see it blowing the leaves and the trees, but you have no clue where that came from or, or what that, that Jesus is saying. Only God can do this, and you can see the effects of it, but you have no clue where it comes from. Nicodemus, you don't understand where it comes from. This is an interesting statement because here's, here's the thing. We have a tendency to want to control things. 
Like I said earlier, if you give me an opportunity to control something, I'll probably take it. We like to be in control, don't we? And even though it's God's work that does this, keep in mind that in this day, the gods that people worshipped outside of God, the God, the gods that they worshipped were all about manipulation. If I do this, then the little God will do this. If I do this to the rain God, then that God will send me rain. And it was all about manipulation. But what Jesus says here is, you can't control this movement of God. Just like the wind blows and you can see that it's, you can see the effect, you can feel it, but you can't make it blow. You can't control it. It says the wind blows wherever it pleases. And so Jesus tells us that the Spirit is outside of our control. We can see the evidence of it, but there's no way for us to control it. And and so we start our series this morning with this. In order to be a part of the kingdom of God, we have to be born again. We have to start new. And it doesn't matter where you've been, what family you were born into, what your last name is, what you've accomplished. The only way to be a part of the kingdom of God is to be born again. And that can only happen through the miraculous work of God, not through anything you can do. And the third part we see is that we can't control it. It's not something that we can manipulate. It's something that God freely pours out on us. And so so we are called to be born again. And I just want to take a second. When this says we are called to be born again, it is painting a very specific picture. Think of Easton as I walked around with him. Think of the idea of being born again, being new. Sometimes I think we get it wrong and we think that Christianity is about minor changes to our life. Like, I'm pretty good, but I'm missing something, and when Jesus comes in, then that gives me the extra piece I needed. If I just go to church, if I just get Jesus, then that'll put me over the top, and I'll be good. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got to be born again. You've got to start fresh. The whole idea behind this growing up series is that as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, we have to be born again. We have to be new Creatures, We have to be all new in in God's creation. In other words, everything you know, everything you've done, all that stuff, all of a sudden you're born again. And and through this series, we're going to talk about how then we have to reorient our life. We have to learn things. We We have to come at this all again like a newborn child. But it starts with, you are called to be born again. Now, I have the opportunity to speak to all of you almost every week. I have the opportunity to see a lot of you through the week, and I know that most of you have been in the church for a long time. I know some of you were a part of this church when it started. I know some of you probably have been in the church since the day you were born. That's my story. My, my dad was at church, and my mom was at church the day I was born. Well, they weren't there the day I was born, but, but the day I was born, I was born into a family that always brought me to church. There's never been a time in my life that I wasn't a part of the church. And I know that's the story of some of you here this morning. And some of you here this morning maybe have been at church for a long time or have been to different churches, but you know what's going on. You're a part of the church. I want you to understand this morning that in order to be a disciple of Christ, 
You have to be born again by the Spirit of God. Going to church doesn't cut it. Being born into the church doesn't cut it. It has to be a work that God does in your life. Don't forget, this isn't about you. It's really easy to fall into the trap that Nicodemus and the Pharisees fell into of controlling God or thinking that we're good enough or thinking that we are in. And Jesus confronts that and says, no, the only way to be in is to be born again through the Spirit of God. It's easy to forget that it's God's work that will give you life. And this may seem like bad news. Like, hey, maybe you've been a part of something your whole life. Maybe you think you're doing really well and this is bad news. I know for Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus and he's feeling really good and Jesus kind of says, hold on, this is what you gotta do. And it changes his whole perspective. And that might seem like a bad thing, but here's the good news. How much of a mess do you make of things? How good are you on your own? I mean, think about your life and the things that you've had control of. And and maybe some of you are good at controlling things and maybe you've got some good things going on. But I look at my life and I think about mess after mess after mess that I've made when I tried to control things. It may seem like the fact that we have to be born again and give up all of that is bad news, but it's not because God wants to give you new life that's far beyond what you experience on your own. Being born again is not a step backwards. It's not a step backwards, it's a step forwards into the kingdom. God has life for you that's far beyond what you can experience on your own. And so this morning as we start this series, as we talk about being born again, I realize that I may be talking to a lot of people that are born again. But I want you to remember that this is not about you. This is about God's work in your life. But maybe there are some of you here this morning that would say, I've been in the church a while, and and I've gone through the motions, but I haven't really experienced that new birth in Christ. Maybe there are some of you here this morning that have never experienced this before. You've never been in a church. You've never heard this message that God wants to give you new life. We can't preach about being born again without giving the opportunity to be born again, and so the band is gonna come. And I just wanna ask each and every one of you, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how young you are, I wanna ask you to think about what Jesus is saying about the idea that in order to be a disciple of Christ, we have to be born again through the work of the Spirit. And I wanna ask you if that's not something you've experienced, This is a time to come and pray and say, Lord, I want to be born again in your spirit. I want you to make me new. And and if you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, I I get that. I'm, I'm there. I'm born again. I want you to pray the prayer and say, God, as we go through this growing up series, I want you to take me to the next level. I want you to help me grow. I don't want it to be about myself and what I can do. I want it to be about your spirit moving in my life. And so, as we come to the end of the service, we're gonna sing a song. And as always, the altars are open. Did you know that? They're always open. You can always come pray. But if you feel like maybe the Spirit is moving in your life, if you feel like you've never been born again, and you need to experience that, the best place to come is to pray before the Lord this morning and say, God, 
I need to be born again in your spirit. And so I'd ask you to search your heart, to think about your life, and to submit yourself to God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for these wonderful people that, um, that we have the opportunity to worship with. And some of them are great people that have been around forever. And, and I know that some people might be here for the first time today. But Lord, I believe that you want to give us new life, each and every one of us. Regardless of what we've done, what we've accomplished, who our family is, how long we've been in church, you want to give us new life today. And so I pray that you would change us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be like newborn children that are then relearning everything through you and through your kingdom. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.